The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a lot to talk about on this episode of the Paracast, and I really wanted to jump right in. Rejoining us, Maxim Furek, a UFO researcher, and it's me and Tim. And there's a lot, as I said, to talk about. A little bit later, we'll be getting into the infamous Philadelphia Experiment. And I go way, way back with that because I knew the author of one of the most famous books on the subject, Charles Berlitz. But that waits a little bit later. Right now, UFOs are in the media. There's an article in the New York Times says Congress orders UFO reports released, but drops bid for broader disclosure. And the subtext is a newly passed measure directs the National Archives to collect documents related to UFOs and disclose confidential records within 25 years, but stops short of ordering more transparency. This is in the 2024 defense bill for the U.S., and evidently it lacks teeth. You know, we had the uh, July 2023 uh, UFO congressional hearings with David Grush and some of the other folks, we thought we were going to have the disclosure. Grush said that he knew where the bodies were, where the saucers were. Uh, He claimed that uh, in the 1930s, Mussolini captured a craft, gave it to the Vatican, and that uh, the United States retrieved it. So all of that stuff was good and well and juicy, and we're waiting for that door to open that, you know, and then uh, it just stopped. So it was almost like a tease. And I just wrote a letter to Marco Rubio. You know, uh, I'm a Floridian, and I wanted to know, where's the rest of the story? Where's the evidence? I mean, show your cards. I mean, we've come this close, and, you know, you talk about full disclosure and being open to the public, and uh, it's really not happening. So as far as I'm concerned, that what happened in July was uh, was a show. I mean, I was I was in awe. I was waiting for this solid uh, information, and nothing happened. And... Um, and on the heels of that, we had the Mexican uh, alien corpses with Jaime Musan, and, and that was much of the same. So, you know, we're getting a whole lot of uh, smoke and mirrors, but, uh, you know, but, but nothing of substance. So, I mean, what do you think about those hearings? Well, basically, a little bit of nothing. Nothing happened. The one thing about David Grush is that he's talking about, what, this 1933 event, which is largely disputed as being unreal. So when he drops that in place, I'm wondering if what he claims is a mixture of what he's heard, the rumors he's heard about UFOs and something maybe he did hear in the military, or maybe they put him out here. They took this guy, 
and they made him a pawn to focus attention, and then when he's taken down, that will help debunk the subject. I just am very queasy about it. He might be a legitimate guy, believing everything he's saying, but that doesn't mean it's true. And the other thing that bothers me is that supposedly he's been asked to deliver some of his evidence because he would have to talk in private, he says. But according to Sean Kirkpatrick, the outgoing director of the Pentagon UFO investigation, he has refused to do it. That's very disturbing. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, show your cards. You know, he did say that. He said that uh, the information he had was classified. However, he would share it with the right people at the right time, you know, people that had the right credentials. So, you know, here we are. But here's the thing, too. Nobody's calling him on this. None of the uh, congressional people that were involved. uh, I don't hear very, very much uh, pushback on this. And there should be. You know, I'm, you know, the the UFO community has to stand for something, you know, like some kind of common sense, maybe scientific knowledge and, and verification on all that. And uh, right now we're not we're not we're not getting anything. It's almost like a uh, like an afternoon soap opera. You know, that's, uh, you know, and it needs to be more than that. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know if the UFO community's taken this uh Uh, uh, as serious as they should. Well, part of it also is if you say too much about this fellow Grush, you draw attention to him. He becomes a martyr. And if they'd rather not deal with him for whatever reason, it's best to mostly ignore him. Oh, he won't respond to our requests for more information. So therefore, that's the end of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I wish there was more to the story. Um, but uh, anyway, like I said, I've uh, sent a letter to Marco Rubio and I'm asking for information. I'm asking for the next step. You know, uh, you know, if, if we're going to talk about disclosure, let's have it. So I'll keep you posted on, on uh, what I got. I expect if Senator Rubio responds at all, it'll be one of those generic letters from his fourth assistant assistant. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the unpaid intern. Um, during this in- interview, I'm going to disclose some uh, memos I have from Stanton T. Friedman and uh, the National Archives and William L. Moore and uh, just some, and, and uh, I think I have one from uh, Jerome Clark. So I've been sort of following the Philadelphia experiment for a while and, uh, you know, but um, I'm like everybody else. I'm just concerned uh, and curious about what really happened. And I think something something did happen. Let's go to Philadelphia. But let me give you a brief introduction to my encounters with it. Of course, I heard about the so-called annotated edition of M.K. Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO. That was his first UFO book. He also had something called the expanding case for the UFO, which I bought for one dollar off the closeout counter. It didn't do very well. But there was this copy of the book circulating with pen annotations about commenting about things in the book. And eventually this got into the hands of the Navy and they reprinted what is called the Vero version, a spiral bound version of the book with a different color for each annotation. So you, if one annotator 
was involved in some of them, that would get one color, etc., etc. Now, later on, Gray Barker reproduced the annotated version of the case for the UFO. I don't know how he worked out the copyright for the original book, but anyway. And that takes us to Charles Burlitz, who was co-author with William Moore of the Philadelphia Experiment in the late 70s. This is the book before their Roswell book. Now, I was interviewing Burlitz for a cable TV show in New York back in 1975. This is where his book, The Bermuda Triangle, was very successful. And we did the interview, and he was really a fun interview. He has his twinkle in his eyes, and he tells me privately, I'm honest as the day is long. So we, we know already you hide your wallet when he comes <laughs> by. But he, he of course, was, was a spoiled rich kid. He was yeah. the grandson of the founder of the Burles Language Schools. Yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you about his home in a little bit. Anyway, so he mentioned he was looking for the annotated book. And I said, you know what? I got a copy. You want me to loan it to you? This was on the air. I have a feeling he didn't expect anyone to actually produce it. He was just saying that for effect. <laughs> but, but I called his bluff. I said, here, I'll bring it to you. On it, you're sure we'll have lunch. So I got together with him for maybe a dozen lunches, visited him on occasion at his home in Glen Cove, New York, which was distinctive in its own right, not just because it's a big house, an expensive house, but his work area was a converted ship's cabin. Oh, wow. Visualize that, folks. Amazing. And so he published the book. He even gave me a few credits in there. No, No money except for... The free lunches, which were fine, you know. I came to New York at the time when I didn't have a lot of money, and any free lunch I could get, especially at a decent restaurant, was acceptable. And I always enjoyed talking to Charles Burlitz. I don't know if he took it seriously or not. I think he was happy to have made money from the Philadelphia Experiment and to jump on the bandwagon for that book and also Bermuda Triangle and also the Roswell book. There you go. Maxim is with us with... Gene and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The Silver Lungs Generator is the only all-encompassing professional class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. 
With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www.silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this... Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, when Tim was giving his introduction, I thought maybe he was abducted by somebody in the Eldritch who came back to life. By the way, the Philadelphia Experiment was also subject of a fiction movie, a sci-fi movie, back in the 1980s. And there was a sequel also. So we can go into that if anyone cares. But, Maxim, you've been doing some research into it. We have that article from your special report, a I guess we'll call it a three-page article or a book chapter about the Philadelphia Experiment. But I'm going to ask you here, this gentleman you named Frederick G. Tracy, is this somebody you met or somebody whose papers you studied? Uh, well, both. Um, I heard about 
Fred Tracy from my cousin, uh, Jim Furyk, and Jim was a uh, military guy, was living up in Derry, New Hampshire for a while, and met Fred Tracy, you know, through military uh, different organizations. So Jim came back to Pennsylvania and told me about this guy. So he called him up, and I spoke with him. Uh, we had a couple of conversations, and then uh, at some point I went up to Derry, and I hung out there for, it was a little over a week, it might have been like four days, but uh, I interviewed him, took pictures, and the thing about Fred Tracy is he claimed that he was aboard the USS Antietam. It was an aircraft carrier. He claimed that they did the degaussing experiment on the Antietam, the, a similar exper uh, experiment that they did on the, uh, the Eldridge. And during World War II, we were trying to make our ships invisible to enemy radar, to German U-boat torpedoes, and to these undersea uh, mines that would get set off when, a, when the magnetic field from a ship would go over the, the bomb. So they were trying to go and make the ship invisible to, to the enemy, enemy radar. Fred Tracy claimed that he served aboard the USS Antietam and uh, the degaussing exper uh, experiment, which was wrapping coils around a ship and then magnetizing it to, to uh, neutralize, to nullify the uh, magnetic uh, uh, signature. He claimed that a lot of negative things happened to the men that they suffered from uh, radiation type uh, poisoning and fred claims that he had uh lung issues uh, cardiac issues because of this so that was part of his narrative the other thing though he says that was just before the end of the war and the, the men aboard the antietam were um just demoralized and they all talked about the Eldridge. They knew about this Philadelphia experiment or Project Rainbow, as it was called. And uh, Fred Tracy told me that they were read, the men, the men aboard the Antietam were read a directive from Admiral James Forrestal, who was the first secretary of the Navy. And Forrestal admitted that the Philadelphia experiment actually happened. However, the men were not to disclose what they had heard, and they would be held for treason if they did. One thing that may sort of like, uh, you know, when you look at this, may make sense. You know, when we talk about those guys that were that f during the warriors, I think that they were loyal and obedient soldiers. I mean, if they were given a command, they would do that. I mean, you know, we've that's changed since Vietnam and everything else, you know, like we're you know, free spirits and everything. But I believe that, um, you know, Fred Tracy brings as much to the Philadelphia experiment narrative as does, you know, Carl Allen or Carlos Allende or Al Bilac or, you know, any of the other ones. So, um, again, I kept up a correspondence with him and have have uh, had numerous letters from him and, and documentation. So Fred Tracy was, uh, you know, a real person, and he was one of the participants in this Philadelphia experiment. And the way I look at it, I mean, I look at uh, what I call like the, like a, the symbiosis of the Philadelphia experiment, like uh, there were symbolic, uh, symbiotic relationships, uh, people that tended to complete each other. If I could, if I could, you know, wax poetic there. But like, for example, Dr. Morris Jessup, at least the one. I didn't know about the other one, but Dr. Morris Jessup and Carl Allen, that was one team. 
uh, certainly Fred Tracy and Admiral James Forrestal was one, William Moore and probably Richard Doty, uh, another one, uh, Al Bielak and Phil Schneider, uh, I think Al, Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla. So those people sort of uh, lined up in, in partnerships that sort of breathed air into this this mythology of the Philadelphia experiment. And by the way, uh, Gene and Tim, the 2023 is the 80-year anniversary of the Philadelphia experiment that allegedly happened in uh, 1943. Now, just briefly to tell our listeners, there was, as I said, a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment, which came out in 1984. It wasn't much of a box office sensation. It did very so-so. But... It was, of course, if you look at the story, it was based on the book, The Philadelphia Experiment. They took all that and fictionalized it, which may be where possibly it deserves. Now, some people say here that this was an early effort to do something like they do with a stealth bomber, which is to make it more difficult for the enemy to detect the ship, that invisibility was a, an exaggeration. What's your take on that? Well, absolutely. No, I mean, there, there is there's a kernel of truth to this. I think that they were the degaussing technique was that something that they used during the war. It was uh, developed in uh, Canada and uh, they would go and wrap the coils around the ship. They would put electricity through that and uh, neutralize the, the magnetic uh, current and uh, and render the ship invisible to, to enemy bombs and torpedoes and radar. And again, back in uh, the 40s, the radar was pretty primitive, so it was probably relatively easy to do. So that part of it was true. But uh, as the narrative goes, the ship was, was teleported from Philadelphia to Norfolk and back, and that crazy things happened that the men, and, and again, with the 1984, uh, yeah, 1984 Philadelphia Experiment movie. It was more of a sci-fi thriller, but the, the sailors were time-traveled from uh, 1943 to 1984. And the part that people related to or responded to was where the two men were actually fused into to the bulkhead of the ship. They were still alive. And there was just like a horrific scene, but I think everybody who saw that movie Certainly, you know, like the kids in the uh, growing up in the 80s, you know, remember that because that was just so graphic and horrific. That was the scene that everybody talked about. But, you know, did it happen? Well, William Moore, after the fact, claimed that uh, the men were because of the, uh, the doses of electricity were probably hallucinating. He claimed that several men fell over and drowned. As far as actually, uh, you know, uh, being teleported from Philly to Norfolk and back and the time travel and everything, that's where the the whole narrative gets a little bit shaky. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting story, but, um, you know, um, I don't I don't uh, believe that happened. I believe that there was an experiment much like during World War Two. We had the Manhattan Project. That we had to, you know, we had to go and get that complete, uh, you know, to to win the war. We had Enrico Fermi uh, at the University of Chicago working with those plutonium rods, you know, and trying to induce that um, uh, nuclear reaction, you know, and just he was doing that experiment. So you had all these things happening. We got more with Maxim and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. Tesla is recalling nearly 2 million electric vehicles due to safety concerns tied to its auto steer feature. A forthcoming software update will enhance warnings for drivers and enable the automated feature to disengage when the vehicle is not on the road or if the driver is not sufficiently attentive. The Traffic Safety Administration initiated an investigation in 2021 following nearly a dozen reported incidents. I'm Dave Collins. The Biden administration is unveiling its offshore drilling plan for the next five years. According to the Interior Department, three leases for drilling in U.S. waters are scheduled between 2024 and 2029. The American Petroleum Institute criticized the plan, stating that it fails to meet the energy needs of the American people. Environmental groups also expressed concern, asserting that the dangerous cycle of drilling and spilling must end. Skip Kelly, USA News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. So we have here Maxim Furek, our guest today, and he's talking about efforts back during World War II to make our vessels more difficult to detect. Now, parenthetically, I should mention this. The Wikipedia article on the Philadelphia Experiment mentions Jacques Vallée as confirming that there were genuine efforts to use powerful magnetic fields to degauss or make it more difficult to spot the ships so that the enemy wouldn't see them. So there is that element of truth. Maxim, go on, please. Yeah, so what happened was then uh, in the uh, 90s, you had this guy, Al Belak, that entered the picture. And it's interesting because after the motion picture and then the book, and there was sort of like a, a lag, there didn't, didn't seem to be a whole lot of interest in the Philadelphia experiment. And then around 1995, this guy named Al Belak showed up at the, uh, it was a New Order conference. It was in California. And uh, he, uh, you know, these are the people that are getting ready for the end of the day, They uh, for the end days. They're a lot of them were white supremacists, uh, power, paramilitary, basically right-wingers. And uh, I don't know why Al Belak was there, but he was talking about the New World Order. But Al Belak claimed this. He said that in 1985, a year after the Philadelphia Experiment movie came out, he had seen the movie in 1985, and it shocked him. It uncovered repressed memories. He said that his quote was that it hit me like a bomb, and he said that he was aboard, not only was he aboard the Eldridge, but he was the engineer that pulled the switch that caused it to go and teleport. And he claimed that him and his brother, um, uh, they jumped off the ship and they were teleported. Now, I've heard several versions of this. One, of the, one version that he was teleported to Montauk, the uh, project in Long Island, allegedly uh, uh, an epicenter of uh, CIA mind control experimentations. Uh, the other one that Belak was teleported uh, into the future, and they had these floating cities. They were two and a half miles high, and and he was in a hospital there after uh, you know after what happened uh, on the, on the Eldridge. So he was there at a hospital, and uh, it was sort of socialistic, and they had these beautiful, intelligent people, and there was no war, no military, no taxes, no money. Everything's just like, uh, you know, la-di-da, just a wonderful place. So he talked about that. Al Belak is, uh, you could Google him on YouTube and listen to him, but he's very articulate. He's well-spoken. He has good command of if either recall or fiction, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, he's a, a good teller of a tale. So what he did was after he took the Philadelphia experiment and rolled that into the Montauk project, and he claimed that the um, 
the Philadelphia experiment continued, but in Montauk, it was about mind control and time travel. So the narrative got a little bit juicier and, and a little bit more. So, you know, he reminds me a lot of George Adamski. And George Adamski, the professor back in the 50s, you know, he talked about seeing the saucers. And after Kenneth Arnold saw those nine discs, you know, Adamski saw like 154 of them. So like he won up them quite a bit. But what was interesting about Adamski was, and I don't know, I don't know if this is, uh, again, uh, an indictment against the UFO community. And I know we probably have UFO probably a ton of listeners who are into the ufos and follow this but back then with uh, george adamski uh, somebody should have should have uh, called call his bluff he was talking about traveling to all these different planets he was talking about hanging around with uh, an alien from venus saying that he was going to saturn for a conference showing pictures amateurish pedestrian pictures photographs of ufos there were actually parts of ge light bulbs and a chicken brooder you know that thing that incubator that you use to hatch the the eggs i mean he actually took a picture of this thing and everybody pointed it out that it was bogus but yet he had a hard core following of people that just like lapped that up anything he said i mean he was very again uh, Damsky had a third grade education, but, you know, he'd been around the block for a while. He was teaching a combination of uh, Christianity and Eastern mysticism. And so when he started to talk about the Space Brothers, you know, his message was this. The Space Brothers were benevolent, and they were here to warn us that we had better stop messing around with these nuclear bombs because we're going to go and destroy ourselves. So. I think Adamski, it, what he did was, although he was a, a really clever and articulate con artist and a hoaxer, he was smooth and articulate. He was suave, and people bought his shtick and believed him because he was, it was almost like a religion. He said that, you know, the Space Brothers are here to help us, and they're going to guide us out of this turmoil, and they're going to help us from destroying ourselves. So he was sort of one of the first, I would, I would call him one of the first proponents of that new age philosophy. And that was back in the 50s. But um, incredible that people actually, you know, bought into, you know, his narrative. But just like people, some people believed uh, what uh, Al Bilak was saying, too. So, you know, you have these individuals that they're opportunists, and they take the time to insert themselves into the narrative. And Tim, you were on, um, I want to say History's Mysteries, and you were talking about Bilak claiming that the Eldridge was teleported uh, other places, correct? I think you said Chicago? That was uh, William Shatner's The Unexplained. Yeah, you know, uh, Bielik, as time went on, you know, his, his story got embellished. And he was talking about there were various, I guess, uh, PowerPoints uh, with, with man-made uh, 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 high power sources that the Eldridge allegedly was attracted to at various uh, uh, locations throughout time, Chicago being one of them. I, uh, uh, New York, I think, uh, was was one as well that apparently was the result, ended up being the result of a, a blackout in the early to mid-2000s. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think you mentioned Nevada, too. You said Chicago and Nevada. So Nevada, yeah. Uh, is, there, is there a dam or something in Nevada? Because I think he was talking about uh, like uh, certain dams that uh, produced uh, um, you know, hydroelectricity yeah. uh, were, were an attraction point. Yeah, but I wanted to uh, acknowledge you for being on the program. When I saw you, I called my wife over. I said, look, I know this guy. <laughs> so cool, so. I know him. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. I shall be after him presently. <laughs> uh, oh, that was great. Uh, and uh, by the way, I was looking at my uh, my notes here, and the last time I was on uh, the Paracast was May of 2023. So I know we were talking a lot about rock and roll, and uh, <laughs> that was kind of cool. So May of 2023. So thanks for having me back. Well, we'll get you the invoice uh, tomorrow. As far as the damps is concerned, there is a publication that's kind of weird to find online. It goes back to 1957 from Jim Mosley's Saucer News called yeah. The Special Adamski Expose Issue. And they take the story all apart there. They point out, for example, how easy it is to duplicate his photos. They used a Chrysler hubcap. And maybe some golf balls instead of the GE light bulbs. Others used a surgical lamp. Mm -hmm. So the point is here, no matter what, they were easy, but there are still people to this very day who will maintain, one, that the pictures can't be duplicated without spending a lot of money, which is nonsense. Number two, mm -hmm. that he had real experiences, except, of course, when Adamski described his trip to the moon, it was very, very little like the moon that we know and have explored. But then, on the other hand, Adamski said once, sometimes you have to go through the back door to get the truth out. And, of course, his truth was his religious and philosophical beliefs. And so he had them in the lips of a version of Klaatu with long hair. Yeah. More to come with Maximum, Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. 
Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from wallofire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Wallofire.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best, complete, nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I want to get back into a bunch of things with regard to the Philadelphia Experiment about the characters. Al Bielak, especially because he was more recent, I heard him once or twice on Art Bell's radio show back in the 90s. And, of course, Art would put anybody on with a story. I don't know what he believed, but he put on anyone with a story. Whatever happened to Bielak? Is he long gone or what? Yeah, he would. I think he died at age, I want to say, 94. I think that's what it was. The um, Preparedness Expo was the name of that group that he uh, affiliated with that was in California. And they believe that there's a deep state 
There's a new world order that the government or the deep state wants to take over and control us. And it was really sort of a weird, um, I, I think, environment for him to be there. But when he talked about uh, the time travel to the future, uh, what he was talking about, this socialistic world where, you were, where, you know, everything was very peaceful and taken care of and all that. And then at that same conference, he brought along Phil Schneider, and Schneider claimed that his father, Otto, was a former German U-boat captain who was brought over to the United States, and he was assigned to, guess what, the Eldridge. So there was this connection between Al-B, alleged, alleged connection with Al Belak and Phil Schneider to the Eldridge and the Philadelphia Experiment. Of course, with, uh, with Phil Schneider, Schneider's narrative got a little bit crazier and a little bit more. He claimed that he was there uh, working these DUMBs, D-U-M-Bs, uh, deep underground military uh, bases. And he claimed that he was this explosives technician. Uh, the drill bets kept on breaking. And so what happened was they went down around two miles. And that makes sense, you know. Um, uh, uh, they went down, and he. But the one thing that tipped him off was that there were a lot of green berets and black berets that were uh, that were accompanying him. So he realized that there's something going on, and they went down to the bottom to find out what was happening with the drill bits. And here they found these grays. Uh, Schneider claimed that he killed two of the grays with a pistol. Claimed that uh, they were four foot tall. He claimed that the seven foot gray blasted him with his laser. And whenever Phil Schneider would go and do his presentations, and again, Phil Schneider is all over YouTube as well, and he's currently has passed. But Schneider would start off his uh, his narrative by saying, "In case they find me dead." you know I, I have been murdered. He would say that. But then he would hold up his fingers, and I think he, he had lost two fingers, and he claimed that that was from being blasted by the seven-foot grays uh, laser beam, and that uh, one of the military, one of the Green Berets, uh, killed the gray and then drug uh, Phil Schneider out of there. So Schneider talked about the Dulce Wars, you know, that there was a uh, a battle underneath New Mexico, Dulce, um, New Mexico, that we had a treaty with the with the Greys that uh, to allow them to stay here, uh, they would give us their uh, we would reverse engineer uh, their their craft. And uh, and they would live in peace. Uh, the only other part of the, I think it was called the Grenada Agreement, the, the treat, Grenada Treaty, but the Greys were allowed to go and harvest animals. And so a lot of these adult an, animal mutilations allegedly are because of the, the Greys doing that. But also they were allowed to go and take human beings for experimentation and then return them. Supposedly, the aliens didn't abide to their part of the contract, and that led to the Dulce Wars, where something like 60 uh, Green Berets uh, were killed and countless aliens. So that's the narrative. But what's interesting, you know, um, you know, are, is there any truth to any of this? Well, we know that there's 
underground cities in you know you know in Russia and uh, North Korea. Uh, just look at what's happening over in Gaza with all the uh, the tunnels. So we know that there's uh, you know that there's underground um, you know caverns uh, maybe for military purposes that are you know all over the place. And why not in New Mexico? So maybe. Some of this is correct, but how much, you know, we don't know. The, I don't know. I, when I first heard about Phil Schneider, and, and, and then the other thing, too, this is, um, uh, I'm sort of jumping all over the place, but what's interesting, when you take a look at the people that have died, people involved with the Philadelphia experiment, Phil Schneider died in what looked like a military-style killing. He was strangled by either a catheter tube or a Rope. I mean, there's different different versions. Uh, uh, Admiral Je- uh, Dr. Uh, Morris Jessup was found dead in his car parked in a uh, parking lot in Miami, Florida. Uh, he it looked like he had committed suicide. There was a uh, pipe from his exhaust into the car. Uh, some people claim that he was killed because he knew too much about UFOs and anti gravity devices and all that. And then the other one, and Gene, you. Uh, you know, called me on this one, but this was uh, Admiral James Forrestal. Now, Forrestal was uh, involved with the alleged uh, MJ-12 group, uh, a group that was put together to go and retrieve uh, flying saucers and uh, a group, I think, that was put together by uh, allegedly by Truman. But anyway, Forrestal was the another one. He jumped to his death. He was at the Bethesda Medical Hospital. He jumped out of 16 floors killed himself but again if you know this guy he was under suicidal watch you know he was in a psychiatric unit i mean why put him on the 16th floor wouldn't, wouldn't you think like maybe the second floor at the most would be a better place you know i don't know i mean i'm not a psychiatrist but you know but you had those people you know and then schneider had a number of people in his circle that died you know which we would call you know mysterious now I don't know. I mean, um, you know, you, you could look at that any way you want to. I know that uh, uh, Dr. Morris Jessup, he separated from his wife and, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, uh, career probably wasn't going as well as, it, as he wanted it to. But the interesting thing about that was Jessup was supposed to go and reveal some big secret to Dr. Valentine. I think Dr. Valentine was an uh, oceanographer. And uh, but. The day before they were going to meet, uh, he com- he allegedly committed suicide. So, uh, who knows? But you know, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Okay, well, I want to add something to Morris K. Jessup, and that is, he was supposedly friends with the late Fortean writer Ivan T. Sanderson. Also, he was a zoologist. He okay. died, I think, in the nineteen seventies. He made this story on Long John Nebel's show in the 60s, as I recall, that he knew Jessup. And that, as far as he knew, Jessup had no personal problems of sufficient nature to cause him to off himself. Okay. Very skeptical. Yeah, maybe he split with his wife, but people do that. Not everybody who splits with their wives or wives splitting with their husbands, whatever. Not any person like this not everyone like this offs themselves. So I don't know what to say about it. That was his opinion. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I was on another podcast and uh, somebody was pointing out that uh, 
uh, it couldn't have been a, a homicide because he was despondent and suicidal and going through all these personal things. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? But, um, you know, when you look at the track record of the CIA and God knows what other, uh, you know, uh, groups we have, you know, that we don't even know about, uh, you know, that are part of the black, uh, the black budget ops, um, you know, uh, you know, things happen and things have happened. And certainly with um, when you talk about Montauk uh, being uh, in epi- a possible epicenter for mind control and time travel and all that, you know, I think that, you know, uh, we know that the CIA was experimenting with uh, with LSD and um, they dosed uh, scientists. Uh, you know, they, uh, uh, President Ford uh, paid reparations to the family of a uh, to, to, to the family of a scientist who committed suicide. Who, he was dosed with LSD and with uh, hallucinogens like LSD. Uh, there's a thing known as set and setting. And the way that works is if you were to go and drop some good pharmaceutical do- uh, Sandoz LSD, you know, not something that's, you know, that's uh, uh, dosed with a whole lot of, uh, you know, chemicals and, uh, you know, bath salts and all that. But if you know the set and the setting, you know that you could, you know, you drop the acid, you're going to have maybe a five-hour experience where you, you know, hear uh, color and see sound and all this stuff, that psychedelic thing. But, you know, it would be a safe, enjoyable experience. We've got more with Maxim. We're taking a trip, I guess, with Maxim here. <laughs> and Gene and Tim, you're in the very guest. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents or use a real government official's name to gain your trust social security does not accept payments by gift card prepaid debit card internet currency or by mailing cash criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace do not be fooled hang up ignore them 
Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I should just tell you, of course, I did everything. No, I didn't do everything. A lot of things I didn't do back in the late 60s and through the early to mid-70s. And I remember my first wife, Geneva, and I went to Brooklyn and visited a psychiatrist and his wife who were working colleagues with Timothy Leary. Oh, yeah, okay. So we tried their substance to go on. I don't want to get heavy into the drug aspect of it, Unless, of course, the drug experience is inducing the seeing of strange phenomena. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as a product of the 60s, and a lot of us baby boomers experimented with uh, hallucinogens. We thought it was a gateway to spirituality, maybe a way to look into the face of God, all that. But I did my first LSD trip when uh, I was in Hawaii, Waikiki Beach. I had no idea what was going to happen. I, I thought it was going to levitate. I thought dragons were going to jump out of the out of the trees and out of the bushes. But uh, that's where I was. And I remember uh, the Beatles' Rain and Frank Nancy Sinatra's Something Stupid playing. And those are the first two songs that I was tripping on. But anyway, having said that, uh, I had a career as a drug and alcohol counselor. Uh, I was in charge of a drug and alcohol program. I don't do drugs now, but I did back then. And you know what? I, I had pleasure experiences they're hallucinogens you know they don't cause brain damage or anything else all they do is titillate the part of your brain responsible for perception and all those critics back then got it wrong you know today i wouldn't touch this stuff because god knows what's in it but back in the day there was a lot of clean stuff that was on the streets and you know anyway that's my story i don't want to make this uh, <laughs> i don't want the feds to come after me but uh anyway <laughs> they're so, coming to take you away haha ho ho he he <laughs> yeah, the CIA later on had that, uh, I think it was called MK Ultra, and they experimented with the LSD. They gave it to these scientists. They gave it to Johns that were seeing prostitutes, which must have been a real trip. But they did that just to watch and see what was going to happen. And, you know, we, they thought that there was a possibility of, uh, there might be a military advantage of using LSD in the hallucinogen. So when um, our friend Al Belak talked about Montauk, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, certainly uh, the government did experiment with mind control and they had to have a place for it. So why not Montauk on Long Island? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, it could, could not be, be out there in Arizona next to Eugene, but I don't know. But it was the uh, MK Ultra, and that was the CIA that um, – admitted to that so i mean they did a whole lot of things one of the things i should point out is that even though i i really do have my doubts about al Bielik, uh one of the things that he mentioned at the uh, at camp hero was that there was a building where they conducted the lsd experiments and i can't remember what what he called it i think it was called like the fun house or something like that but he said that uh, the walls were brightly painted with psychedelic uh, colors and patterns well later 
other people who snuck onto the 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 then debunk uh, closed down base. Yeah. Actually, found this building. I mean, it's it's an actual building, and there are rooms that are brightly uh, uh, still, even though it's long abandoned, uh, uh, painted in in psychedelic colors. So you know, I mean, that's the odd thing about Bielik is mm-hmm. that a lot of his stories just are. I mean, they're just uh, the worst science fiction. Yeah. Yet he may have been involved in something. One of the other things is that there was a video that was that was put out that had Al taking people to these underground tunnels beneath Camp Hero. And Al knew exactly where they were located. And most of these tunnels, I mean, you had you would have to go into a building and then find the secret entrance, so to speak, to get into them. And Al knew where these entrances were. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, his his is a strange story. And like I said, I, I, I think that a lot of it is, could be made up or induced. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he had been at Camp Hero before, sometime in the past. Yeah, he claimed that he was—he uh, got a degree from Princeton, and I think that's been debunked. But uh, that's, I believe. But uh, he was—I um, think it was an electrical engineer of, uh, I guess, a very good electrical engineer uh, uh, that was uh, had worked for, I guess, a number of. What what would it be? It would be civilian companies that had government contracts. Gotcha. Uh, The Jacques Vallée wrote about Bielik in in one of his books, not like Revelations or Dimensions, but you know it was like you know I I can't remember which one it was, but it's just a couple of casual mentions of this uh, you know engineer who was at these uh, conferences by the name of Al Bielik. And this was long before Bielik came out about the, the whole Philadelphia experiment thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another interesting uh, character, you know, in, in the, another uh, in, the, in the narrative. Yeah. I have here, I have a letter from Stanton T. Friedman, and a nuclear physicist and lecturer. And this was dated January 29th, 1989. And if I could, I'd like to read it to you. Um, I had contacted uh, Stanton about the uh, Philadelphia experiment. During his lifetime, Stan was a frequent guest on the Powercast. I knew the guy for like 30 years. I disagreed with him mightily on such things as the MJ-12 documents. But he seemed sincere enough. What can I say? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he thought thought the documents were... uh, were authentic, or at least part of it was. But anyway, he said, the, uh, here's uh, Stanton's letter to me. Dear Mr. Furick, the best source of information about the Philadelphia experiment is William L. Moore, a close colleague and a very busy researcher. He co-authored the Philadelphia experiment with Charles Berlitz and did most of the hard research. I believe you will find no evidence, um, listen to this, I believe you will find no evidence for a teleportation or a practical joke and lots of evidence for an attempted effort to make ships invisible to radar, which would have been a great victory had it been successfully achieved. Uh, He can be reached at the address given on the enclosed list of UFO materials. I should warn you that there is far more solid material available about UFOs than most journalists and authors expect. From the six PhD thesis to lots of solid papers by scientists with a long-term interest, some seem to believe there is only the tabloid junk. 
back to the Philadelphia Experiment. The movie used the title, but not the story of the book by Moore. Good luck in your search. Most cordially, Stanton T. Friedman. And then also I had about five sheets of paper with uh, articles that he had written that were for sale. And uh, it was a similar, similar as with uh, William L. Moore. You know, when I got correspondence from him, I got all this stuff to buy his uh, updates on the Philadelphia Experiment for $7, you know. And at the time, uh, this letter from Stanton Friedman was from uh, New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, I think the last thing he did before he died was the Betty and Barney Hill. I think he uh, got together with maybe Betty's daughter, and they co-wrote a book. Is that correct? It's Kathleen Martin, Betty Hill's niece. Okay, then. And they got together and wrote a book, and this was probably a few years before Stanton died. So yeah. we'll go from that. But you mentioned William L. Moore, who yeah. is an interesting character unto himself. As you say, he did most of the research for the Burlitz book on the Philadelphia Experiment. Friedman did a lot of research with Moore and Burlitz on the Roswell book, got barely a credit. Exactly. Though he, exactly. Even yeah. though he claimed to have done a lot of the work, he yeah. got barely a credit, but that's how it works. I got credits in the Philadelphia Experiment, too. I don't know what contribution I made to it, except giving Burlitz some information maybe he looked for. Have you had any contact with Moore? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I uh, have a letter here from him. <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> let, uh, us, let us do that in the next segment. Sure. Maxim okay. Furek, starting out with. The Philadelphia Experiment. Mysterious, isn't it? That, of course, that's how it sounded back then. Going through time with Gene and Tim, you're in... The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain. Until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-296-1327. Call right now. Help is standing by. 800-296-1327. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have to say William Moore is kind of infamous because he admitted at a MUFON session, what, in 1989, was it, Tim? that he had functioned as someone doing disinformation for the Air Force, working with Richard Doty? Yes. See, I remember. So tell us, Maxim, about your contact with William Moore. Yeah, and that's sort of like the the end note with him anyway. You know, uh, July 1989, it was at the MUFON Symposium in Las Vegas, and he convinced confessed that he was a spy and he used just he uh he tried to discredit his colleagues and spread this information but i had contacted him and i received a letter from him in february of 1989 so this is um uh his his uh letter to me uh, dear mr furick um I was rather fascinated by the practical joke explanation now being circulated by the National Archives. And what I did was I had contacted the uh, National Archives asking for information on the Philadelphia experiment 
And I can read that at some point, but they claimed that it was a practical joke that just went haywire and just got a, took on a life of its own. But I shared that with uh, William Moore. He said that um, I was rather fascinated by the practical joke explanation now being circulated by the National Archives. It seems that they, too, are rather confused about what really happened. Since I have spoken with Mr. von Donhoff, that's the gentleman I spoke with, on several different occasions while conducting research at the archives, I shall endeavor to set him straight on the matter by phone. Meanwhile, I enclose news clippings, which I believe should serve to clear up any questions you may have. The story about the Antietam is covered in my book. I expect whomever told it to you got it from there. No, I heard it directly from Fred Tracy. And to tell the truth, I read the Philadelphia Experiment. I don't remember reading about the Antietam there. I did read about it in his updates. Uh, William Moore would have these uh, Philadelphia Experiment updates for $7. I have one of those. But if I can be of any further assistance, please write. Uh, very truly yours, William L. Moore. Unfortunately, after his involvement with MJ-12 and Jamie Shandera and all that, and then what he said in 1989, I mean, he's sort of, you know, I think he's disgraced himself. And, um, you know, you don't hear anything, you know, honorable about William Moore, which is, um, you know, which is too bad. I mean, he um, uh, published uh, the, the Roswell uh, incident with Berlitz and um, the Philadelphia experiment uh, uh, with, with Berlitz. Uh, too bad, but um, so uh, I guess uh, Richard Doty was part of that as well, right? I believe he was the Air Force contact. And I'm just curious, um, what information do you suppose that Richard Doty was giving uh, William Moore that he disseminated? That was part of the whole uh, Paul Benowich disinformation campaign yep. that uh, Moore was uh, a part of under the direction of, of Doty. And uh, you had talked earlier about uh, uh, Phil Schneider and talking about the dumb bases and the whole Dulce thing. All of that came directly from the disinformation that was being fed to Paul Benowich. Uh, the, the alien treaty, the, uh, the fight with the greys, all of that, and, and stuff that is still prominent in uh, certain aspects of the UFO community. Okay. For reference, by the way, we did feature Rick Doty on the Paracast back on March 18th, 2018. I would say this, when it comes to Doty, you can believe maybe half of what he says. The problem is, which half? Go ahead, Max. <laughs> that's, that's good, yeah. So if there's disinformation, I, I take it that it's some sort of a smokescreen, that they want you to go and focus over here rather than over here. So they're doing it for a reason. I'm wondering what they're trying to keep us away from. I mean, what's the, what, what is that all about? And that's, that's the real uh, uh, dealio right here. Whether it's Roswell or uh, Philadelphia Experiment or Montauk or whatever, you know, I think that there's something that they want to keep us away from. So they either uh, exaggerate it and make it seem just totally bizarre and outlandish that nobody's going to believe it or they take us in another direction so that we're not looking at a but we're looking at maybe b c or d so i mean there there has to be a purpose to this i mean they don't just do this to i don't think to mess with us well the mj12 uh documents 
were also given to a certain extent to Linda Moulton Howell before they showed up as uh, photographs in the mail to Jamie uh, uh, Shandron. But uh, Howell was working on a documentary for HBO and was contacted by Doty, who told her that uh, the military, the government, was interested in, in releasing information about UFOs took her, uh, brought her into the Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico, and she wasn't allowed to record or to take notes. It all had to be memory. And she was told basically the same information that later would come out in the MK-12 um, documents. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the British UFO researcher, Timothy Good, yep. got documents in the mail. And he actually went and quickly released them in a, uh, in a in a book. So yeah, the same kind of material was being circulated around, probably by Doty. But like you said, for what reasons at that particular time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, a number of people believe that the uh, MJ twelve documents were legitimate. Um, they're all over the. Uh, the internet. I mean, you could you could see them. Uh, I think on page three they mentioned that uh, after uh, Admiral Forrestal died, that they need a replacement for him. So his name's mentioned uh, you know, on page three of the document. But um, well, nowhere else in in the government archives is there any mention of MJ twelve uh, magic. M-A-J-I-C, which was supposed to be, I guess, an offshoot of MJ-12. Uh, it was uh, just the and, – and, of course, the main documents that everyone talks about weren't physical documents. They were photographs on a roll of film. Right. Yeah, the FBI called them bogus, and uh, I think they researched uh, you know them extensively. The thing about the – MJ-12 documents or any of these things, I try not to say a lot about them. Of course, on this show, we kind of have to, especially in light of talking about the Philadelphia Experiment and all the ramifications of all the other things that happened to the people involved, is that when you draw attention to some of these fake things, you take away attention. We don't have a lot of time to pay attention to things you take away attention from a real phenomenon that's going on people are seeing ufos we still have no idea what they are and a lot of these side issues are entertaining but they don't always take us to a conclusion and saying that i do want to continue exploring this one because this way at least if there's any government participation involved we get a better idea of how they work with regard to UFOs and side issues. Maxim, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA News Update. Three Israeli hostages reportedly waving a white flag were tragically killed by Israel's military in the Gaza Strip on Friday. Questions have risen globally about the misidentification of these captives who were taken by Hamas on October 7th and were fatally perceived as a threat by Israeli troops. The incident occurred in an area of intense recent fighting, leading to concerns about the tragic consequences of the misidentification. The end of the weekend could be a little rough along the east coast of the country. Dave Collins explains. A significant storm is moving up the east coast with heavy rain and strong winds causing some flooding and downed trees and wires and unseasonably warm temps Sunday into Monday. While weather can change at a moment's notice, it looks like the track of the storm will be from the Chesapeake Bay area to the southern New England area. President Biden's job approval rating has reached another record low. According to a recent Pew Research Center poll, only 33% of Americans approve of the president's job performance. Skip Kelly, USA News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. I need a tax preparer. How should I choose one? Using a paid tax preparer this year? Before paying someone to do your taxes, make sure they're qualified. Ask about their fees, experience, and training. Check with a Better Business Bureau. Avoid anyone who promises a higher refund. And review your tax return before you sign it. And make sure your preparer signs it too. For more tips, visit irs.gov and search Choosing a Preparer. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. Dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. 
brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue with Maxim Furek, focusing on the Philadelphia experiment, and don't just say, hey guys, it's all fiction. Some of it might be, some of it probably is, but lots of real things were going on. You were ready to respond to something Tim said, Maxim, then I have something else to bring up. Go ahead. Yeah, um, well, I did want to uh, talk about the, uh, I had reached out to the National Archives. This was, let me see here, uh, 1988. But this was from uh, Richard Avon Donhoff. And uh, here's his, his official response to me. He said, this, re- this replies to your letter of November 1988 regarding the so-called Philadelphia Experiment. As far as the Department of the Navy can determine, the fictitious story of the Tratella transportation of a destroyer, USS Eldridge, from the Delaware River off the League Island Navy Yard to Hampton Roads and back in 1943 began as a practical joke among staff members of the Naval Research Laboratory here in Washington. The humorous commentary on a theoretical paper on electromagnetism got out of hand and soon achieved the status of fact and legend. For years, the Navy Department has categorically denied the Philadelphia experiment, but the legend persists. I hope that this answers your questions on this matter. Sincerely, Richard Avon Donhoff, Military Reference Branch, Textural Reference Division. So that's what I got from the government. So they're saying that it was just a practical joke. So uh, what do you think of that? Well, I suppose a joke goes awry and you never know what's going to happen from it. It just seems to me the way I thought of it is that there were ways to develop a preliminary early version of a possible stealth vessel, just like we have a stealth bomber now, but this is back during World War II, to make our vessels less visible And that was a genuine story, and then it was exaggerated over the years to become this fantasy. That's my perception. Whether it was a joke or not, I wouldn't even know at this point. And and even more said the same thing. He said that a lot of those guys, because of the uh, electromagnetic currents, they uh, were probably hallucinating, and they thought that they saw things. But there's something else that's uh, even more interesting. Uh, According to the Naval History and Heritage Command, the Eldridge— wasn't in Philadelphia in October 28, 1943. Eldridge was in New York Harbor, and then November the 2nd, it went to Norfolk, and then November 3rd, it was on its way to Casablanca. So it was over in the other part of the world. And the same thing with the Furuseth, and that's the ship. Carl Allen claimed that he was a merchant marine on the Furuseth, but that was not in Philadelphia uh, in October of 43. That left Norfolk in October, and it went to uh, Africa. It arrived in Africa November the 12th, so it was not around for that. And again, this is with the Naval History and Heritage Command. They claim that those two vessels were uh, uh, couldn't have been there. Also, they claim that the technology, the science of teleportation uh, does not exist, so that 
thing couldn't have happened. They didn't address the degaussing thing, and that's just interesting that they didn't because, I mean, it's a fact. I mean, there's, you know, there's no question about that. You know, uh, Allied shipping was taking a heavy toll from uh, German U-boats. And we had to find a way to go and sort of, you know, deal with those those torpedoes and the uh, underwater uh, uh, mines, the sea mines. So the degaussing was something that uh, was devised, and I believe in Canada, and it's something that worked. According to the legend, it was Tesla who designed the generators that were placed aboard the uh, the Eldridge, and that that comes from Al Bilac. With uh, Einstein and Tesla, there were a lot of interesting things that happened, and um, you know, uh, with invisibility projects, with time travel projects, etc. So, um, you know, I don't know, you know, where the where the uh, the truth uh, begins and the fantasy, or the truth ends and the fantasy begins. But you know, there's a lot of players here, and uh, again, during World War II. Everybody was experimenting with things. You know, we even talk about, you know, like I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. You know, we had the Kecksburg UFO flap of 1965. You know, some people think it was that uh, German uh, Tim Beckley, I think, wrote a book, Tim, about that, about the, what is it, the, the, the bell, the, the Glocken, yeah. whatever. The Glocken. Yeah. That supposedly that might have been what we saw in 65 in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, that it wasn't a, a Soviet Union or American a satellite, but maybe it was this time travel device from Nazi Germany. So I don't know, but you, you got to love this stuff. So don't tell Stan Gordon that. I know. <laughs> you guys have the best job in the world. God. <laughs> well, you know, I I should say that the identification of the ship involved with the Philadelphia experiment as the Eldridge was a fairly recent uh, addition to the whole mythology, and it may have originated with William Moore's book. I, I, I don't remember offhand right at the moment. There is no mention of the ship being, you know, being the Eldridge in any of the original writings uh, about the experiment, you know, from Carl uh, 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 Allen or, or Morris Jessup. Uh, so, it's uh, you know it's it's no wonder that the um, the record showing the Eldridge not being in Philadelphia, uh, not corresponding to you know what the mythology says that the uh, Philadelphia experiment took place, uh, because you know I think the jury is still out on whether or not that was even the ship involved. Well, uh, Fred Tracy believed that they uh, the Eldridge and the Wiki Wachi change their log books and everything so they just changed the name so what happened to the what we thought was the eldridge was actually the the wiki-wachi so you know it'd be very difficult to go and uh look that up again it's it's uh smoke and mirrors it's uh you know it's a uh, it's it's a game it's a you know they're they're uh you know, we're getting bamboozled, but Fred Tracy said that. And and Fred Tracy said that, you know, at the end, they took the uh, the Wikiwachi, you know, the, the ship, and they uh, uh, they exploded it, and then they buried the parts in, uh, in the deserts of Arizona. That's what Fred <laughs> Tracy said. So his story is pretty, pretty 
pretty interesting too. But uh, uh, he, Fred died. He uh, he died from sort of some sort of radiation thing, and I and he always believed that he uh, uh, contracted this from those degaussing experiments that uh, happened aboard the ship. Uh, he gave me a name of some of his crew members on the Antietam, and I contacted them, and uh, every single one of them, you know, they had either passed or they were someplace else, and they d- didn't remember, um, you know, uh, hearing uh admiral forrestal's directive about you know the the uh uh the philadelphia experiment actually taking place so i wasn't able to confirm or collaborate collaborate you know what fred tracy told me so um there you go listen we were mentioning this character carl allen Mm -hmm. we should focus more on that guy because he was a fascinating participant in all this craziness what do you know about him well, first of all, he's from um, New Kensington, Pennsylvania. That's out there by Stan Gordon. And uh, when you take a look at Pennsylvania, there's a place called Chestnut Ridge that's just outside of Pittsburgh. Just a whole lot of weirdness taking place there. Uh, Kecksburg, for example. Uh, the uh, most Bigfoot sightings are out there in Chestnut Ridge. And Pennsylvania's number three, allegedly, in Bigfoot sightings after Washington State and California. Uh, but also not only Bigfoot sightings, but Bigfoot sightings along with UFO sightings. And Stan Gordon uh, documents all of that. So anyway, Carlos, Carl Allen or Carlos Allende was from New Kensington, Pennsylvania. That's out in that neck of the woods. And what he did was he started to go and take copies of Morris Jessup's The Case for the UFO. And he put all these annotations there in, in three different colors. And it looked like there were three different people conversing, one of whom was an, seemed to be an alien. And I forget the person's name. We'll persist with Carl Allen or whoever he was with Gene, Maximum, and Tim. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com the silver lungs generator is the only all-encompassing professional class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home 
With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www.silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in, and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So we have the three colored annotations of M.K. Jessup's The Case for the UFO, of which Carl Allen was responsible. One you said was allegedly or implied might be an alien? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been looking over some of these. Uh, uh, the, the annotated editions uh, of the case for the USO and reading some of the stuff. And it's just like a lot of it is just like really like just nonsensical. I mean, it doesn't show me that Carl Allen knew uh, uh, anything about the unified field theory. You know, he claimed that Einstein taught him this, you know, claimed that he was a merchant marine and everything. But anyway, what happened was, and this is where it got really interesting, Carl Allen or Carlos Allende 
sent, and this was like in the, the mid-50s, he sent uh, a package to the Office of Naval Research, and he titled it Happy Easter. And what it was was a copy of the uh, Case for the UFO with all of his annotations. So they called Morris Jessup in, and there were just, I think, two naval uh, officers or uh, uh, assistants, and they were just asking him about this. And do you know anything about this? And uh, Morris Jessup said, yeah, this is, I've been getting all these letters from this guy named Carl Allen, and this looks like his handwriting. So uh, what they did was they took the case for the UFO, they sent it down to this uh, printer down in Texas, and they published this. It was called the Vero edition, so it had all those annotations there, and I guess they thought there was something to it, but in retrospect, when you read it, you know, there really wasn't, but you know, what happened was that one person, you know, Carl Allen, a.k.a. Carlos Allende, sort of jump-started this, and in in William Moore's book, The Philadelphia Experiment, I mean, there's so much uh, place, so much effort in the text uh, placed on Carl Allen and his involvement with Morris Jessup. I mean, that takes uh, a good part of the book. And then looking at uh, Einstein's unified field theory, uh, you know, where he was trying to uh, theoretically merge gravity with electromagnetism. And if we could do that, we could have these anti-gravity devices. And, you know, that's the holy grail. That's what everybody's sort of looking for. That would be, that would turn the world upside down, you know, as far as proportion and everything. But that never happened. The uh, Einstein's theory uh, never was proven. It's just a theoretical theory. But Carl Allen claimed that Einstein taught him that unified field theory. Uh, In the end, he was a a drifter. He was charismatic. They said he was mysterious and hard to find. And actually, he wasn't hard to find at all. I mean, they were able to track him down. And um, it seems that uh, Carl Allen had some uh, mental issues. So, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, here again, I think is much ado about nothing although the military thought there might have been something here and they wanted to find out. They wanted to make sure that they weren't, you know, missing something. And uh, so they called Jessup in and evidently not a whole lot came out of that meeting other than they printed up a million copies of the, of the Vero edition, you know, and that uh, is the weirdest thing in the world. That book, that is so weird. And, you know, as I said, the book had been reprinted. I gave Berlitz a copy, and as you mentioned, William Moore spent a lot of time in the Philadelphia Experiment taking stuff and hints off that copy. That is from my copy of the book. So okay. I really I really should have gotten more than a credit. I think I should have gotten a check. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't a million copies. They printed like maybe uh, 40 at yeah. the most. Yeah, yeah. Very, very few. Yeah, yeah, but they're out there, and then they're being reproduced again. You can you can get those, and and uh, you mentioned Gray Barker. Uh, he sort of had a knack for you know reaching out to some of these obscure writers and and republishing their books or just publishing them. So like he, uh, I could see him being the person who who did this. You said that he had his own uh, edition of the case for the UFO, correct? The Vero edition. Gray That's Barker. the one he he sent me that. Yes. Okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. Gray Barker, by the way, he had his own offset printing press after being in the publishing business for some years. I visited him once at his home in Clarksburg, West Virginia. This would be like 1964. And that 
offset press never, ever worked properly. The copy, it was always a little bit light on one side, a little bit dark on another side, could never get it fine-tuned correctly. But yeah, he printed lots of things. He latched on to a lot of stories that many people didn't take seriously, and he tried to make hay of them. And part of that is because Barker himself had kind of this mixed relationship with the UFO field. On one hand, he believed something was going on. On the other hand, he'd make fun of it, or at least try to profit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ran with Mothman. He did the same thing with Men in Black. And I'm trying to think, L. Bender, correct? Uh, Albert K. Bender. Now, the yeah. Men in Black, he had a book published by a real publisher, Gray Barker, called... They that was the first one. Yeah. In 1954, Barker wrote a book called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, had a real publisher. And in that book, he talks about this young UFO researcher, Albert K. Bender, who set up a flying saucer club. In those days, there weren't many flying saucer clubs. So if any got publicity, they could build a very big membership. So Bender had his magazine, I think it's called UFO Review, And in one issue, he says, in so many words, I think I've got a handle on the solution to the UFO mystery or the flying saucer mystery, as it was referred to, and I'll have something in the next issue. Then he tells Barker that three men in black came over to him, confirmed his knowledge, and basically told him to stay quiet. So he shut down his organization. Now, this gets crazy. Remember, this is a legitimate book. They knew too much about flying saucers, published by a real publisher before Gray Barker got into the business himself. And when Bender finally came around to telling his story, Barker published a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. That's the one we mentioned by Bender, heavily edited by Barker. Barker had distinctive writing style, you could tell. Bender claimed, quote-unquote, the three men were really aliens from the planet Kayak. Mm. K-A-Z-I-K, pronounced Kayak. Silent Z, I think. I don't know if that was a joke or not. I met Bender during this period when he gave a lecture in New York. The lecture was held at a monthly meeting sponsored by the one and only James W. Mosley in New York City. And he seemed like a perfectly sincere guy, honestly trying to report something he didn't understand. And he put it in the hands of government agents or presumed government agents because he didn't want you to know he was a contactee. I have no idea what happened. I do know that some years later, Bender and his wife moved to L.A. He lived to a ripe old age and very intelligently Stop talking about flying saucers. I don't know what to say about that. As far as the Mothman prophecies, of course, John Keel wrote that book. It was made into a movie, a fictionalized version. And Barker wrote a book on the same topic called The Silver Bridge. Right, right. But The Silver Bridge was more of an allegorical version of what happened, as opposed to Keel writing something that was a straight reporting effort. Mm-hmm. So what can I say? Yeah, the um, 
Bender was uh, from Duryea, Pennsylvania, which is uh, right up the road from me, northeastern Pennsylvania. So uh, interesting. Uh, and uh, his narrative started to get a little bit out there. And I'm trying to think of what he was saying. I don't know if he was talking about time travel. No, he was going to. Uh, here's what it was. He talked about going to Antarctica. That's right. I think he was visiting the aliens in Antarctica. I think that was what he was saying. They sent him there, and they were revealing things. So after the Men in Black thing, it was the Antarctica thing. That's that's what it was. Hell Bender, but yeah. And then then he went to uh, so he went from Duryea, Pennsylvania, to Antarctica, and then to L.A. So that's the Al Bender story. It became even more interesting in a sad way. Barker died in the 1980s, I believe. And as far as the Three Men in Black, they made the Three Men in Black or the Men in Black into a graphic comic book. The graphic comic book was purchased by Hollywood, and they've been, what, four MIB movies, Men in Black, one, two, three, plus Men in Black International, which starred the guy who plays Thor. More to come in our next segment. I don't know where we're going with this, with Gene Steinberg. Maxim Furek and Tim Swartz, you're in the Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part, has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Welcome back to the Paracast 
the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So anyway, so we have The Men in Black being made into a multi-billion dollar movie franchise consisting of four films. We have the graphic comic book. We have Keel writing about Men in Black. We have Barker writing about Men in Black. And you know how much money they received for all their efforts from the movies? Big fat zero. Zero. Wow. Hmm. Boy, ain't that the truth? Barker never made big money for anything. Maybe that first book. They knew too much about flying saucers. As for Keeley, he did fairly well. Having sold Mothman Prophecies to Hollywood, even though it was a fictionalized account, he made enough money to get a, a car, I think a Toyota. But he wasn't in that great financial shape after that. Maybe he used up all the money. But it was something that, to him, put him on the map. Not that he wasn't on the map already. He was on the map, certainly, in terms of a lot of the things he did. But this, you know, writing a book, whether a novel or not, that Hollywood buys, what can you say? Yeah, yeah. Keel was interesting. He just had an interesting resume, well traveled, and uh, you know, I thought he was a really good writer. And uh, you know, I, I, I liked a lot of his stuff. I, I liked John Keel a lot. I remember back in the seventies, nineteen seventy-five, that year where I met Charles Burlitz. I was in New York City. I was working with this fellow who published Beyond Reality magazine with his cable interview show. And then that afternoon or evening, I call. Keel. I just want to touch bases with him. I did know him for a number of years. And he said, come on over. So we sat there for three or four hours talking shop and sharing tea. We just had tea. I don't drink. We didn't have any intoxicants because I drove to New York City. I didn't want to have any problems driving back. And I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, as a matter of fact, in Chester County, Pennsylvania. So anyway, sure. Keel was so much fun. I regret we didn't get him on the Paragast before he passed. I know that we tried. Our original co-host got his number from Tim Beckley, called Keel, and Keel was in his final years and got very crotchety. And his remark in so many words that I can't repeat on terrestrial radio, so much to say that basically, how did you get this phone number? Click. He hung up the phone. Oh, wow. Huh. Too bad. Too bad. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he gave a lot to the uh, UFO community, you know, with his with his books and uh, his theories. And uh, yeah, good guy. Too bad that he uh, went out that way. You know, I was looking at old issues of one of my magazines and I had an article or two from Keel in there. And I also had a lot of letters, sarcastic letters. Now, he has written some stuff that takes us back to the early stages of the UFO field about the man who invented flying saucers, which to him was Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer, you know, by writing about flying saucers in Amazing Stories and then in Fate magazine, brought the subject on the map, of course, with Richard Schaefer and everything. So that was one of the things Keel did. A lot of people dispute the level of Palmer's innovation or power as influencing public opinion but it was a certainly an interesting way of putting it well during the war years you know he talked about the shaver mystery and uh that was sort of a, a distraction from uh, you know the horrible war that was going on people listened to this and they actually believed that uh 
uh, you know, when uh, when Ray Palmer put it out there as a true narrative, people, some people believed them. They had Shaver mystery groups where they would talk about this. And uh, Richard Shaver talked about hearing voices and other people said, yeah, you know, I hear voices too. So it was almost like a therapy session. But the FBI was investigating Palmer and, and Shaver for uh, initiating this UFO hysteria. And they claimed that they did this before Kenneth Arnold uh, in Mount Rainier. So uh, they were investigating Palmer and uh, Richard Sharp Shaver for this. And uh, he claimed that there were disks that were there in the subterranean tunnels that, you know, they were coming out. They talked about also coming out at the, from, at the uh, North and South Pole and, uh, and Palmer later on was big with that. And Palmer was interesting because he would have these, he was big with the letters. So he would go and have a letter and he would write these letters and then he would go and answer them. You know, like he would write a letter from John Doe, create a controversy, and then he would respond to that. But he was all over the place. And, uh, you know, he was he was pretty interesting. He was like a puppet master. I mean, he gave us, you know, this uh, ufology. He gave us this uh, world of fantasy. Uh, you know, I think when we needed it, Palmer was interesting. You know, he was uh, involved in a horrendous uh, accident. He was hit by a truck and... Uh, you know, he was uh, uh, he was a hunchback. He was uh, maybe like four foot tall, you know, bent over. But he immersed himself in literature and especially science fiction. And uh, he was well read. And then what was interesting is that after most of this was over, him and uh, Richard Sharp Shaver located in Wisconsin. You know, they bought property close to one another. And one interesting story that happened was that uh, Kenneth Arnold, took uh, Ray Palmer and Richard Sharp Shaver for a ride uh, in, in Arnold's plane over, uh, I think it was Amherst, uh, Wisconsin. So they were to go and take a look at the, the farm property that these guys own. So that was kind of interesting. It must have been a wonderful, that would have been a great narrative to see uh, Ray Palmer, Richard Sharp Shaver, and Kenneth Arnold together, you know, just, uh, just chatting and, and comparing notes. So uh, <laughs> interesting. Well, Palmer was just like such an, a unique, uh, incredible individual that gave so much, you know, to the field. You know? And even and even I mean, you know, there has to be uh, if you saw the movie Ed Wood, you know, black and white, you know, there needs to be a movie just like that about Ray Palmer and Richard Sharp Shaver. I mean, the world demands it and should have that. Um, you know, Palmer was just that uh, that good, that inventive. And but what happened was Sharper Sh Shaver wrote this letter. And uh, the one editor, I think his name was Brown, read it and crumpled it up and threw it in the trash can. And so Palmer went through the trash and found it and said, no, I'm going to use this. So he rewrote it and, uh, and published it as the Shaver mystery and made it sound like it was true. And uh, so that and he ran with that. I mean, you know, that was the Shaver mystery was a really big thing, you know. So rather back in the 40s, rather than looking into outer space for UFOs, we were going down into the subterranean tunnels and caverns and, you know, and cities and all that. And, uh, you know, just interesting how we did that. But, you know, predicated on th people like H.G. Wells and, um, you know, a lot of other authors who, who uh, maybe H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, you know, authors that did the same thing. So uh, Ray Palmer's, uh, you know, interesting, uh, incredible guy.
By the way, folks, if you check through the Paracast forums, we do have a photograph of Ray Palmer circa 1965 black and white photo of Palmer standing there in front of his home in Amherst, Wisconsin. It was taken by a friend of mine, Rick Hilberg, and I didn't, I cropped the full photo because I didn't want to show the contrast, but to the right of Palmer, taken out of the photo put in the forum, was me. Oh, wow. But I'm, I'm standing 6'2", and he's, you know, four foot something, so the contrast, I thought, really didn't help the picture, so we have Palmer. Now, my personal suggestion for people who want to know more about Palmer, there's a book from Fred Natus called The Man from Mars. Yeah. It's an, you're probably familiar with it. It's an excellent summary of Palmer's life and his amazing influence of sci-fi. A lot of our concepts of space opera science fiction emerge from the stories published in Amazing Stories when Palmer was the editor. Because what he did there is, instead of taking hard sci-fi, he made it more entertaining. Fascinating stuff, Palmer. And Palmer, I, as I said, I met him there. I talked to him on the phone a few times, exchanged letters. He was a fascinating gentleman indeed. And I did, I'll give you one observation, we can go on with it in our next segment. But we're talking to Maxim Furek, Tim Swartz, Gene Steinberg. We started the focus on Philadelphia Experiment, but now we're drifting into other modern folklore from the early days of the UFO field. You're in the Panacast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com i had no idea it would destroy my life but before it happened i had a successful business in austin texas everyone laughed at me when i shut that business down but i could not ignore the wake-up call i was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school that project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Are you a business owner? 
Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We want pizza! You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I was talking about my encounters with Ray Palmer. Now, as Maxim says, his letters to the editor columns were very popular because his responses were extensive. But it wasn't just him rewriting, because he'd write under many different names. The readers wrote their own letters, and one thing that was hinted to me at the time is a friend of his, someone who was also very famous, Otto Binder, mm-hmm. a sci-fi writer and editor of the period, told me that Palmer would say outrageous things in his articles to get people to write. Then he'd debate them and keep it going, keep interest in the magazine. Now, Binder, if you never heard of him, by the way, he wrote sci-fi and comic book scripts. So he wrote for the original Captain Marvel. You know, Now, the character Shazam was known as Captain Marvel before Marvel Comics came out with a female version of a character. So the original Captain Marvel, he wrote a lot of the scripts for that, including one featuring a character called Scorpion, a villain called Scorpion, And that was the focus of a 1941 movie serial, The Adventures of Captain Marvel, with Tom Tyler, a Western star, as Captain Marvel. Otto Binder also co-created Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes. Mm -hmm. So in the first pilot episode of the Supergirl TV show, there's a scene where Supergirl is showing herself, displaying herself to the world, and she saves a plane flying over the Otto Binder Bridge. (laughs) 
you know, one of the typical Easter eggs of, of the comic book-based TV shows, Otto Binder. He also wrote UFO books, factual UFO books as well. Richard Shaver, I wish I had all the letters I had from him, but I had them in a file cabinet in a business office I owned in Pennsylvania. I pulled out the business and my former partner threw out the file cabinet. Hundreds of letters of Shaver, his rock books, all the other stuff. Uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, Richard Sharp Shaver was born uh, in Berwick, Pennsylvania, and that was my uh, hometown. Also, uh, Nick Adams, the rebel, is buried in Berwick, Nicholas Adamshock. So uh, that's our Berwick, Pennsylvania claim to fame. You know, small little town in northeastern Pennsylvania, but uh, Richard Sharp Shaver was there. And in Richard Toronto's book, War Over Lemuria, uh, Richard would talk about how wonderful his life was in Berwick. Uh, how we would run up and kiss the girls on the cheek and, you know, how we would just sit on the porch and watch people go by. And, you know, back in the back in the day when people did that. But uh, interesting uh, narrative. He uh, Berwick was like a little bit of Mayberry. Then, of course, uh, he claimed that when he was welding, that he could hear these telepathic messages coming from underneath. And uh, and that started the whole thing. But just uh, uh, an interesting narrative. I I really wish that, um, you know, I had the uh, uh, the money or the resources to put together a documentary on Ray Palmer and Richard Sharp Shaver, because I just think it's the it would be the greatest story ever told. So. And just like the uh, Natus is the man from Mars. I mean, uh, you know, some, so many people have never heard about Ray Palmer, but yet rap was somebody that was front and center of the movement and uh, is significant and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, wonderful personality. You know, his popularity was so high in the 40s and early 50s. A comic book writer created a character called Ant. And this was a guy who wore this costume that made him miniaturized, okay? Mm-hmm. And the scientist who did this was given the name Ray Palmer. In honor of the real Ray Palmer, more interesting, there were some so-called Arrowverse TV shows on the CW network featuring Brandon Ralph as Ray Palmer. And you got to imagine the difference here. The real Ray Palmer was a hunchback in his yeah, uh, yeah. four feet or so. Whereas uh-huh. Brandon Routh, who played in Superman Returns as Superman, is 6'2". You know, a hulking guy playing Superman. And he played in this. But the reason the character was named Ray Palmer again is because they paid honor to the guy we knew. As for Richard Shaver, I did meet him once. And okay. there was an interview in a magazine that's available online where I talked to him. And he was a very pleasant, nice guy. He actually had learned over the years to be a pretty decent writer. He wrote for my magazine, and we had to do very little editing. Mm-hmm. He was clear, easy to understand, really smart guy. We enjoyed knowing him. And I remember interviewing him, and we got to the end, and I said, well, I guess this is the last question. He says, yes, I have to go get a cigarette. And that was the end of the interview. <laughs> yeah, buried in Arkansas. In Arkansas was planning to to go up there and uh you know see his final resting place and there's a documentary being put together on uh Palmer and uh, Richard Sharp Shaver by uh Dean uh, Bertram Dr. Dean Bertram he has the Talking Weird podcast so 
So that's going to be coming together relatively soon. Dean was on our show. Uh, it's been a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. And he interviewed me about my connection with Richard Sharp Shaver, you know, uh, being born in Berwick and, you know, uh, uh, and that. And I think what, what I did, at least in, in Berwick, at least in northeastern Pennsylvania, I sort of like introduced the folks to Richard Sharp Shaver because nobody had ever heard of him. And uh, I felt that he deserved more than just being an, an obscure uh, footnote you know, in, in history, but um, certainly an interesting uh, character and, uh, you know, an accomplished. And even today, he's viewed as an outsider artist. And some of his rock books and some of the things that he did uh, are in display in places like Berkeley and New York. And uh, so, you know, he's getting recognition now um, in, in certain communities more as an artist uh, than as a uh, as a an author, so that's sort of interesting. I mean, interesting, interesting about the rock books. Yeah, they were supposed to contain crystallized writings from the ancients, and of course, nowadays, of course, we use silicon and everything. We do embed things in crystal in a way with our computers. But he had these rock books, and he sent us the rock books with techniques of viewing them, and we saw stuff in them. I know whatever you think of Schaefer and his claims of meeting Deros and Tiros, under-earth people, we mm-hmm. did have the rock books. It was in that file cabinet I no longer have. But my first wife, Geneva, and I would look at those books, and we'd see images of something or other. Not Rorschach tests. It was more than that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So maybe Schaefer was a little crazy. Maybe he just told of his experiences in a way he thought would appeal to people, and certainly with the help of Ray Palmer, who wanted to popularize everything and sell some books. But he seemed very sincere, and he was definitely on to something. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what, but he was definitely on to something. Yeah. He had some sort of a library. Uh, he would go and lend you these books, these rock books. So he would send them to you through the mail and all that. So that was pretty, pretty wild. You know, his rock books of Atlantis and all that. We were recipients. Yes, indeed. Like I said, I wish I had them. We could surely have a lot of fun talking with that on the Paracast. But unfortunately, the person who threw out my file cabinet, we don't want to mention him. Gene, Maxim, Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite.
news update. This tragic mistake was was made, but obviously this is not an outcome that anybody wanted to, to see. You're listening to White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby reacting to the Israeli military mistakenly killing three Israeli hostages during combat in Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calling it an unbearable tragedy. Netanyahu implying that hostage release talks are continuing today. And my goal, as you know, in our conversations is to see how we can help the present, the present uh, the remaining hostages. To Capitol Hill now, where members of the Biden administration and Senate negotiators continue to meet about aid to Israel, aid to Ukraine, and aid for our southern border. Republicans have blocked this funding bill and will only vote for it if it includes stricter border regulations. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com, GCNfood.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. Shopsupertea.com. Tormay, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. What a strange world the early days of the UFO field were. All these strange characters. You know, Palmer, of course, Fate Magazine. Kenneth Arnold's involvement with Palmer. If you look at the first issue of Fate Magazine, which, by the way, has been reprinted, and the current publisher of Fate still sells it. But if you look at the first issue, a couple of articles from Kenneth Arnold in there. And then, of course, there is that book, The Coming of the Saucers by Palmer and Arnold, where he talks about this weird Maury Island thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think, who's the name of the uh, the individual there that supposedly was one of the uh, possible yes. shooters in the assassination? I'm trying to think who that was. I'm- Let me take you to this story. One of the people who would write regular letters 
to Amazing Stories was a guy named Fred Lee Chrisman. That's the person we're talking about. He was one of the tugboat people in Warren Island involved in that. He later did, I think, a conservative radio talk show. And there was a rumor that he might have been one of the so-called hobo characters seen during the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. I mean, weird. I had a friend of mine who was no longer around who was doing research into Fred Chrisman. But too bad he's no longer here. I would have loved to have talked to him about that subject because it was strange. This guy was a strange character. Like I said, from Ray Palmer to Maury Island to the Kennedy assassination. What a strange affair. I know. He was every place, yeah. Yeah. And supposedly he was the character uh, that they based the invaders on, the uh, TV series. Or he claimed that it was about him. So there was some connection between between Fred Crispin and uh, the invaders. Do you remember that series? I do. Okay. It was something, I don't think they ever resolved it. It's one of those TV series that ends too early. Yeah. Yeah, we're still being invaded. Uh, the one thing you mentioned, you, you said that the uh, 1933, when uh, Grush was talking about the Vatican and the saucers, what's happening with that? Has that been debunked? Has, uh, has anyone, is there any documentation or any validity to that? You know, Mussolini's saucer back in 33? It was, you know, that was based on some papers that were released sometime in the early 2000s that supposedly was taken from, you know, like the uh, uh, Italian archives. But I think much like the uh, MJ-12 papers, that there are inconsistencies in how it was uh, uh, typewritten and the the, the sources and uh, government stamps mm-hmm. that uh, don't correspond with um, um, actual ones that are that are still in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but 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 yeah, and you know, I mean, that's that was part of a series of alleged UFO crashes that were um, captured by the Axis powers. There was one supposedly that had uh, crashed in Poland. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe even earlier than that, that was more uh, rocket-shaped uh, that the uh, 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 Germans got a hold of. But, you know, during that, uh, these are stories kind of like the Philadelphia experiment that really didn't surface until years Many years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. You know, again, I'm waiting for, um, you know, Grush to reveal more of his story. And, uh, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, we've had, what is it, July? Four months now since they had the uh, congressional UFO hearings and, uh, uh, and well, uh, nothing but- so far. You know his whole his whole thing. It, it's it's for what purpose does it serve? Um, it just it, it, it to me it just always seemed kind of rather odd. Yeah, uh, uh, that he would come forward at this time with this information, but uh, as we discussed earlier in the program, so far. 
nothing at least revealed publicly to back it up. Correct. Yep. And so, I mean, what if if this if this guy was involved in a hoax? Why? Uh, so, so, so that's exactly the question. I mean, so yeah. what what's his motivation? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not money. Uh, he's getting he he already got his fifteen minutes of fame. Uh, you know, but um, you know, to to what end? You know, I think a lot of people are just looking at him and just uh, w- you know just wondering just how truthful and authentic he is. Yeah. Well, and you had you had said earlier in the program too that uh, people were taking uh, what he was saying without any real um, debunking or skepticism. I suppose yeah, yeah, really okay. would would be the word. But I think that those you know, like in in in, in Congress who have been talking with him are probably impressed that he does have the credentials that, you know, he's not hiding behind, you know, like a fake military record and everything like that. But of course, I mean, you know, just because he was in the various branches of the military that he says he was, does that necessarily mean that he did have access to that kind of, you know, ultra top secret information? The one thing that makes guys like Grush uh, believable is that they can talk the talk. They know the rhetoric. They know the language, the vocabulary, that that technical military uh, jargon. And similar to people like, say, Al Belak, who did the same thing, uh, Bob Lazar did the same thing. And uh, again, they sort of talk over our heads because we're not engineers and scientists and we don't know about, you know, uh, reverse engineering uh, spacecraft and all that. But they do and they can talk in those terms and those themes. And it's almost like they're talking above us or around us, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're they're, they're talking a good talk. And, and uh, at this point, that's that's what it is. It's a good talk. So but they're not walking about as, as far as that's concerned. I mean, Lazar is mostly dismissed for making elaborate claims. We don't really yeah. take him too seriously. We did try to get him on the Paracast once, but he's no longer doing interviews. But he'd have to answer some hard questions. Grush, I don't know. I'm on the fence about Grush because he seems sincere enough, but the talking about that 33 episode and then not producing anything. And I think one of the concerns about the congressional hearings is that congressman didn't have the power to subpoena someone to appear at a skiff, one of those secured rooms, to talk to them under deep security. Because someone like Senator Marco Rubio, being on the Intelligence Committee, as I recall, would have the power to talk to someone about intelligence information. He would have the authority and the clearance, he and other people he worked with. So I don't know. The thing is here, there's a story where he was interviewed by Elizabeth Vargas on a TV network called News Nation, which is a news network that is sort of like a more centered version of Fox News. It has conservative leanings, but not as far as a Fox News or Newsmax or anything like that. And he described himself, I guess, as being frustrated that he wasn't being taken more seriously. But we're back to the same thing again. Is any point served by someone saying, I have this information 
forgetting a 1933 episode, of course. I have this information, but I cannot give you that information unless I'm put in a secure environment where I'm allowed to reveal it. Mm-hmm. So is there any point? I don't know. I, I mean, I, is, is, I'm wondering if the rest of the world is as frustrated as, as I am. You know, I mean, I'm frustrated and I'm angry. And I mean, you know, I want more and I deserve more. And I think I'm just getting played. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Ha. Hey, we're going to know more in our next segment. And we're talking to Max, Maxim Furek, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You're in the Pettercast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The Silver Lungs Generator is the only all-encompassing professional class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www.silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. This is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. By the way, before we go on, Maxim will stick with us for the After the Paracast podcast, which is available to Paracast Plus subscribers. One more thing. We did a second after the Paracast interview with our staff announcer, Bob Zanotti, about two fascinating encounters with a psychic and a medium some years back. Fascinating episode, an extra after the Paracast special, again, only available to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. Maxim, we gather, like a lot of people who follow UFO lore, you're frustrated we haven't gone much of anywhere. Do you think this government project is going to take anything towards a solution or is it going to be, we'll rename it, we'll change the personnel, we'll screw around with the laws that put it into existence and nothing ever gets resolved? Well, I think we're going to find some of the answers with the sci- through the scientific community. And hopefully they're doing their due diligence and they're, you know, investigating and exploring and uh, they're going to have some revelations. The other thing, I think the financial community can go and make a mark. And by that, I mean, they need to go and take a look at some of these. uh, Like you said, the uh, Department of Defense just came up with their budget and we have to see where the money's going. And there's probably these projects, these programs that are dark ops, black ops that we don't know anything about. They keep on changing the names, but they're still being funded. And if we could find out who's being funded and for what purpose, I think that's going to reveal something. So again, we don't know because because a lot of the stuff is just like, it's a whole morass of uh, legalese and documentation. Uh, so that's what I think is going gonna, is gonna to happen. That's how we're going to find some of the results. One of the problems is, and when you take a look at something like Kecksburg and the Freedom of Information Act, every time we go and people like Stan Gordon and other people have tried to get information from the government about what happened, it's It's all either lost, it's been conveniently lost or misplaced, or it's been redacted. You know, we've seen that with with Roswell. We've seen the explanations with Project Mogul and, um, you know, Skyhook. And decades later, all these explanations, something happened in Roswell. But, you know, what exactly was it? What do we know? 
Back in the 50s, they claimed that if America knew that there were uh, alien uh, extraterrestrials out there, that we couldn't take it, that we, we just couldn't handle that, that knowledge, that it would turn organized religion upside down and everything that we believe in would be challenged. You know, I mean, they viewed us as being very naive and immature and unable to, to handle the truth. And so now it's been, you know, 50 some years later and uh, we're still waiting for uh, the government to treat us, you know, uh, as adults, as uh, tax-paying patriots and citizens, you know, who, do, who deserve to know uh, the answers. And uh, so I, I think your listeners are waiting to hear something, you know, to, to get some answers to, to their questions. And uh, But like I said earlier, I'm, uh, you know, I've uh, written to Marco Rubio. I'm going to start corresponding with some of these politicians to see what uh, information I can get. You know, I'm going to make a serious uh, attempt at doing this. And uh, that's one of my projects, just to try to uh, sort of force the issue and get more information if if it's to be had. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, like I said, if I come up with anything, I'll certainly, you know, share the news, the the plethora of, of information with you guys. So, so we'll see what happens. Well, I just hope that one century we might find something that will give us an answer. I kind of think the UFO mystery is the kind of thing that just will go on and on and on. And 50 years from now, if we're still alive, which we probably won't be, people will be talking about UFOs. Yeah. Well, you know, Gene, the last time we spoke in May of this year, you know, you, you, you asked me... Uh, might have been after the program, but do you think we'll ever find out the answer? And you said, do you think we'll ever find it out in our lifetime? And uh, that was a great conversation. I mean, I hope so. You know, I, I, would, I hope that we would, but or at least get a little bit closer. Right now, the closest we have is that out of all these uh, UFOs that we're seeing, these UAPs, excuse me, these UAPs that we're seeing, what is it that... Three uh, percent we we can identify that, uh, and the, the the theories the, the the plausibilities are that they're either ours or they belong to say Russia, China, or Iran, or they're extraterrestrial. There's probably another thing too. They could be interdimensional. It could be that uh, Albert Einstein wormhole theory that that there's wormholes through the space-time continuum, and that maybe people or things travel through those. Maybe Bigfoot and UFOs travel through that wormhole, and that's why they shape-shift and they go from here to there. They bio-locate from here to there. So, I mean, we don't have anything else. As far as theories, you know, that's sort of the best one, and that that was from the 1930s, Albert Einstein. So, you know, um, I don't think there's been much else, and all we're looking for is some theories that may uh, apply to some of these anomalies that so many people are seeing. And I'll tell you what, think about, you know, this isn't about Bigfoot, but maybe it's all the same, you know, part of that tapestry, that paranormal tapestry that I like to use that word. But we have neighbors, and we went out to dinner with these neighbors uh, back in Pennsylvania. And the one guy, he's a medical technician, and he said, yeah, I saw two Bigfoot. I said, what? He saw two Bigfoot creatures, one a black one that was bigger than the cinnamon-colored ones. And I asked them all these questions, and they turned around, they looked at him like they were curious, and then they walked away. He said they walked uh, not like bear or animals, they walked sort of like people. 
And then I contacted Stan Gordon because Stan's the man, and I gave him that information. And then Stan contacted my neighbor and uh, did the questionnaire and all this. So anyway, uh, that's in my backyard. I mean, that's like, you know, right where I live. And I never thought of Luzerne County, Pennsylvania as being any kind of an epicenter for Bigfoot. But, you know, there's plenty of mountain and woods there. So who knows? Anyway, that's that's my story. That's the uh, you know closest I've come to anything uh, you know uh, Bigfoot related. Well, I have to tell you something here. I've never seen a Bigfoot. I've talked to people who've seen Bigfoot, big feet, Bigfoot type creatures, and you never know. You never know. And the problem, I guess, we have with all of this, Maxim, is human perception is so so very erratic. People see something, but we have to get kind of a compendium of different interpretations to get a real picture of what was seen. If one person reports something strange, maybe there are other explanations. Who knows? Maybe it's a homeless man in the woods because we have hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone who are homeless. And we are sure they don't shave or a lot of them don't shave. Maybe they don't have a full set of clothing and they'll look like a mess. And if they happen to be tall and they see them in the forest, they could be a Bigfoot. Yeah, and, and back in the early days, they always talked about these wild men, people like Tim Renner, Bigfoot guys like Tim Renner, feel that maybe those wild men were actually Bigfoot. I mean, we don't know. Maxim Furek, it's been great having you back on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find more information about you. Yeah, thanks, Gene and Tim. Yes, uh, I really appreciate being on the, the Paracast you can check out my website. It's www.maximfurek.com, M-A-X-I-M-F-U-R-E-K. Or if you like, you could go and contact Amazon, and uh, you could purchase my books, uh, Flying Saucer Esoteric, The Altered States of Ufology, or Coal Region Hoodoo, Paranormal Tales from Inside the Pit. Uh, you could purchase those also from Amazon. So uh, take your pick. Yeah, if you want an autographed copy, uh, contact me on my website, and it would be great. And remember, folks, if you do purchase any of my books, please feel free to uh, do a comment on Amazon. It means a lot to us authors. So so thank you. You can find us on X. You can find us on Threads. You can find us on Facebook if you look for The Paracast. You can buy branded merchandise at theparacast.store with four different logos to choose from. You can sign up for The Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus. Get this show without the network ads with better audio and the exclusive bonus after The Paracast podcast. We never know what's going to happen next. We have that special extra with Bob Zanotti about a couple of psychic experiences he had. Maxim Furek will be back with us. The lowest prices ever for the Paracast Plus, the Paracast.plus to sign up the Paracast.plus. Maxim Furek, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate it. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.